Super Talk Mississippi media production. If you're feeling anxious about your investments with all the economic volatility and chaos in Washington, tune in to Super Talk Jackson on Wednesdays from 9 to 10 a.m. and Sundays from 8.30 to 9.30 a.m. for Element Wealth Radio with Jeremy Nelson. Learn more at myelementwealth.com. Welcome in on the busiest sports week of the year. It's another edition of Mike in the Morning. I'm Michael Borky. Thank you so much for tuning in as you always do. Let me just get the promotional tweets out there and we can get started. All right, here we go. Uh, good to see you. Uh, like I said, busiest sports week of the year. So we have the national championship tonight, Baylor and Gonzaga. We've got the Masters. That is, I mean, it's Masters week. I'll watch some live on the range stuff today. You know, the part three contest on Wednesday obviously doesn't really get started until Thursday, but it's Masters week. We've also got, you know, big college baseball, as always, around here anyway, coming up this weekend. And Major League Baseball is off and running, although I know that uh, they have been in the news for not baseball reasons. Although, uh, Sohei Otani last night threw 101 miles an hour in the top of the first and then hit an absolute tank bomb in the bottom of that same inning. Just unbelievable stuff last night. Um, Major League Baseball, the NBA, what a busy week, and uh, glad that you are with me. Real quick, before we get uh, any further, if you're watching on stream, good to see you. Always glad that you are with me. I thought Periscope was going to go away, but it is still here. I don't understand it, but here we are, and uh, glad to see you still watching on Periscope, even though I did not know that it was possible to still be watching. They were supposed to get rid of it, and they haven't yet. So I don't know. Uh, It will go to Twitter Live eventually, I suppose, but I guess today is not that day. Anyway, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just search my name right there, at Michael Borky, and hit that subscribe button. Also, uh, this does get uploaded in podcast form. Mike in the morning in iTunes. Michael Borky also turns up results in Spotify. uh, And hit that subscribe button there and leave a rating and a review. National championship tonight. I have a feeling, by the way, I've thought about this a lot uh, since the game the other night, the most electric, well-executed college basketball game that I've ever seen. And that's not hyperbolic. I mean, you know, I don't really remember some of these games that people are referencing in the past, you know, in the early 90s when I was in diapers, if I was even alive. uh, I don't remember those kind of games. So, In my lifetime, I do not think that I have seen a more um, incredible college basketball game in my life than the one we saw the other night. Offensive execution especially is what made it so great. Like I said on the radio show yesterday, and forgive me for being repetitive if you're listening on the podcast, but um, there is a difference between a close game and a good game. And just because a game is close and it comes down to the wire, even features a buzzer beater, doesn't mean it was a great game. It just means it was a close game that had an ending. I think the game the other night had everything that made it one of the all-time greats. Everything. Uh, offensive execution, star power, great plays, great defense, even though both scores were in the 90s. Sometimes in basketball, when you just have a, a team that is executing so well on offense, there's nothing really you can do. It's like I hear people say all the time, 
well, they don't play defense in the NBA. Oh, they do. It's just when you've got Kevin Durant, I mean, seven-foot-tall Kevin Durant with the handles that he's got and the ability to to jump shoot the way he does and how quick his release is, you can't really defend the guy sometimes. We had the same element of that the other night. I have a feeling tonight that people are going to be very disappointed <laughs> uh, with this game. I mean, and I only mean that because the stage to get here was just so awesome that I don't know if this game could ever match what we saw the other night. However, I do appreciate, like I said yesterday, that these are the two best teams in college basketball. They were the two best teams in college basketball all year long. They were the two most consistent teams. Baylor was working on having a historic-type season before COVID kind of derailed their year. They had to take a couple of weeks off, miss a bunch of games. They've obviously returned to that pre-COVID form, and they lost a couple of games after that. But the one gripe I have with the NCAA tournament is that it isn't the best way to crown a national champion, in, in my opinion. It's the most electricity. It's the most fun. It's the most engaging. Not the best way to determine a champion. I think in basketball and baseball, you need to have series. That is the best way in sports like that that are there's chance involved more so than any other sport. You should play a series. Just like in golf, that's why they play four rounds. You'll have four Masters rounds because there's just things, there there are outside elements in the sport that lead to scoring discrepancies. Baseball, basketball, golf, hockey, series sports. And I think that that would be the best way to determine a champion. However, this is the most exciting, so nobody complains, and I'm certainly not complaining. But I do appreciate that this year we have a situation where – the best teams made the championship. It was always Baylor and Gonzaga. All season long, it was Baylor, Gonzaga, everybody else. Baylor, Gonzaga, everybody else. All season long. And uh, I just really appreciate that that is what we're getting tonight, is those two teams, Baylor, Gonzaga, and everybody else. So um, I'm looking forward to it, obviously. I, I read a a story yesterday about kind of what the players have gone through. So even if the game's not great tonight or whatever, um, I very much appreciate what the players have what what they've gone through really the last few weeks, and um, I know that a lot of people have it worse than this. So I'm not saying that you know we should, um, <laughs> you know, lay out the red carpet and like I don't know treat them like they're gods or something. But um, for the last few weeks, I mean. Uh, going on a month, these guys have been holed up in hotel rooms, and the only chance they get to leave is uh, really to practice and to eat and and work out, and like they get to, you know, maybe play cornhole with each other or something. Uh, that's really it. So they've just been kind of isolated in Indianapolis in a hotel room for weeks just to play this tournament. And so while I know that, you know, that doesn't sound so bad, you know, four weeks hanging out with your buddies, playing basketball in a hotel room in Indianapolis. I mean, that's not the worst thing in the world, but haven't really been able to see their girlfriends, haven't been able to see their friends, uh, mom and dad, nothing like that. I mean, they've had to wave uh, at a distance from these people because they've been isolated in this bubble. So um, I'm going to be thinking about that a lot tonight, honestly, watching these teams play is I, I appreciate what they've done in order to put this tournament on. 
because it's been wild. It's been entertaining. It's been fun. And they've gotten an opportunity of a lifetime. And so I'm, I'm glad that this happened. Of course, I, I started to lose perspective there for a little while on how hard it is to, to put these things on, how difficult it was to put football season on this past year, how hard it is on NBA players who I watch basically nightly, um, how out of routine everybody is, how abnormal all of this is. I mean, Major League Baseball just got started. How different it is for these guys. Um, I stopped appreciating that for a while until I read this column about what the college basketball players have been doing for the last month. They haven't been mistreated, at least the the men. Um, They haven't been in prison or anything like that. But I um, I do very much appreciate the sacrifices that they've made uh, to play this tournament. So anyway, for whatever that's worth to you, just a little perspective on that, because they've just kind of been kind of locked up for a month in, in a hotel room. No girlfriends, no mom and dad, no friend, nothing. I mean, they haven't been able to do anything because they've been here doing this. So uh, I'm riding with Gonzaga tonight, by the way. I think is the line still four and a half? That's what, uh, yeah, it's still four and a half. So I'm riding with Gonzaga tonight. Uh, even though it took some heroics for them to win on Saturday. Uh, that's my pick. Gonzaga minus the four and a half going undefeated for the first time in forever. And uh want to see history tonight. So hope I get it with uh, with this game. It's also Masters week, by the way. And this is my this is my favorite sports week of the year because of the Masters. I, I am obsessed with it. Uh, I used to be able to. I probably still could if I actually sat down and did it. I used to. Did you guys see that? That was wild. Um, I used to be able to sit down and draw the course map and get it basically completely accurate, bunkers and all. I mean, the shape of the bunker and everything. I probably couldn't do that. Uh, I think I could get close, though. I mean, I had the course memorized. I'm obsessed with it. Um, And if you've never had the chance to go, uh, it feels like the Truman Show inside. I'm not even kidding. You feel like you're in a different world. The, the course itself is completely isolated from the outside world. I mean, you, you cannot, if you're outside of the grounds, you cannot see in. And if you're inside, you cannot see out. Any building you see when you watch the Masters is Augusta National, part of it. Whether it be like bathroom facilities or, or cottages for the members or the clubhouse or something. That's the only buildings on the property. You It takes, like, it is completely fenced in and it's just tree-lined depth as well. Like, you cannot see out of this place. And once you're inside, nobody's allowed to have a cell phone. So you see no technology like that anywhere. It is like the Truman Show in real life. I mean, they even have uh, people that walk around with those little, so you don't have to bend over, like the trash picker-upper things with, with bags. And they'll pick up pine cones if they fall out of the tree. They're walking by and they see a pine cone, they'll pick it up. Along with trash if, if people drop their trash on the ground. That's how intense this place is. It's awesome, but also kind of surreal. But anyway, Jordan Spieth winning yesterday, I think, was great for the interest in this tournament. It was like 92 or 94 players have won since Jordan Spieth last won a PGA Tour event going into this weekend. We also get Brooks Koepka back from from injury. There was a lot of talk that he was going to be out months while he's playing this week. Um, Spectators, patrons is what they're called there. They're going to be back this week. So it's going to feel normal, unlike last year, which was in the fall, and nobody was there aside from 
you know, wives and girlfriends and stuff like that. Um, it's going to feel normal. Not as many people, but it's going to feel as normal as it can. And I can't wait for it. I'll talk about it more later on this week. But I did see this uh, from one of the guys at Barstool. And this kind of cracked me up because the replies are just all dead wrong. So Riggs from Barstool, they do the uh, the foreplay podcast. It's um, just Barstool's golf coverage, basically. He's their golf guy. And he said, 13th tee on Sunday at the Masters. Everybody else is in the clubhouse. How many strokes of a lead do you need to win the Masters? And you should see some of these replies. Um, I mean, you've <laughs> six holes. How many strokes of a lead do you need? And I'm telling you, since I've lucky enough, uh, I've been there twice in my life. The, the answer is double digits for even the best weekend golfer that you know. The answer is double digits for a lot of high-level college golfers. Unless you've been there, you like the the first reply that I see is four or five, maybe six. Thirteen and fifteen aren't really too difficult, and I can birdie them. I, I mean, get out of here. These people are insane. They've never played on a course with slope like this. They've never putted on greens like this. I mean, it always cracks me up. I I talk about this all the time uh, with my buddies or something, how good the amateur golfer thinks they are compared to the pros. It's not even close. The best weekend golfer that I know would need probably 12 shots. Probably. Double bogey in, they could probably get it done. And that I'm talking the best weekend golfer I know. Guys that, I mean, can shoot under par on the right day anyway. <laughs> yeah, I just need four shots. A guy played number three on his high school team, thinks he could bogey in at Augusta. Yeah, right. Um, but that cracks me up. I'm excited for this week. It's going to feel normal. It's just another check in that column, you know, just another thing that is going to feel normal again at the national championship tonight in basketball after we had the national championship in football baseball season i mean stadiums are packed in the sec i mean Ole Miss hosts arkansas this weekend there's going to be 9500 on friday 10,500 saturday and 8700 on sunday i mean it's going to be normal and augusta is going to feel normal this weekend it's uh, it's not lost on me how uh, how nice that is, uh, or at least how much I'll appreciate that. Last thing I wanted to get to today. Um, there's a, I don't know if you want to call it a scandal or not, but the NFL draft is coming up, and, and you, you guys know how this works. This is how it always works. Um, information comes out on guys, whether it be good or or bad. There is always posturing that is going on in the information world in the NFL around the draft. It it happens every year. Most of what you hear or what is said is inaccurate because you either have a team that is uh, trying to get something out there to incentivize potentially a trade or to get a team to not pick a guy because they want that guy or something like that. I mean, information is just everywhere, and it's mostly some kind of a smokescreen or or half-true or something like that. But for some reason, this year – it got especially hostile towards Dan Orvlovsky, uh, analyst at ESPN. He was asked about Justin Fields, and he was talking on the Pat McAfee show. 
ESPN unbanned their employees from going on Pat McAfee's show, as it turns out. But Dan was on with Pat McAfee and was talking about Justin Fields. I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but there has been a pretty steep decline in Justin Fields' draft stock. Kind of unexplainable. I mean, he hadn't done anything. He played a full season of college football, sort of, at Ohio State and was really impressive in the playoff, at least in their game, in their win over Clemson, where he took that shot uh, to the side and battled through it. And I said on the radio that was one of the more impressive quarterback performances I've ever seen because he was clearly in pretty miserable pain and was able to still throw some of the best deep balls you've ever seen. I mean, it was an unbelievable performance from a guy that was clearly battling injury. And after that, nothing had happened at all. Trey Lance played one game this year, and he completed half of his passes against Central Arkansas. But for some reason, Justin Fields is doing this, and Trey Lance is doing this in the last couple of months. And people have started to wonder why. I mean, why on draft boards is Justin Fields falling, but Trey Lance increasing? Well, that doesn't make any sense. Why is that happening? So Orlovsky goes on the uh, Pat McAfee show, and anybody with two ears and a brain knows that what Dan was saying was not what he believed, is what somebody that's involved in these kind of things in the draft told him. And he said that Justin Fields, at least the word is, that they're worried about his work ethic. That they're worried that Justin Fields is a a last one in, first one out kind of guy. That that was this one person that spoke to Orlovsky said that about Justin Fields. He didn't say he believed that. He just said that that is something that I've heard and that might be contributing to the fall. That is, I mean, that is every year in the draft. That kind of stuff is said about somebody every single year, and yet, boom, it becomes this big controversy and everybody's just roasting Orlovsky and Kirk Herbstreet goes on Twitter and puts the laughing emojis and says, absolutely ridiculous, even if you aren't saying it, to pass that along from, quote, people in the know is reckless and absurd, embarrassing, Kirk Herbstreet says. And, I mean, Kirk apparently just doesn't know how how journalism works. I mean, I I don't understand why everybody's mad at Orlovsky about this. And, I mean, Ohio State's coach, of course, came to the defense of his quarterback. What's he supposed to say? Yo, yeah, Dan's right. My guy sucks. He doesn't work hard. No, he's going to say everything he can to get his guy in the best position to get drafted as high as possible. So he's not going to denounce or or, or confirm that in any way at all. Uh, But everybody's just roasting Orvlosky today. Oh, how can you put that out there? That's reckless. No, Maybe there's a reason that's out there. Maybe it's truthful. It's possible that it's not. Draft information in the past has been untruthful. It's going to happen again. It has happened before. People are making it about Justin Fields' race, which I think is a little silly, uh, but that's what people do now. And, I mean, it became a full news cycle. A a one-off, like, yeah, I mean, mean, this is what I've heard. This might be contributing to his fall. And it, it just exploded reckless that he would share that what if it's true what if the executive or whoever involved in the draft that told dan this was telling the truth that hey in our research we found that we're not convinced that he's the hardest worker 
What if that's true? I don't know. I, draft information is always a smokescreen. I mean, you've got mock drafts that now have Mac Jones going number third, which or number three. Maybe that happens. I wouldn't pick Mac Jones at three. <laughs> no shot. Uh, on top of the fact that he plays on a team where his offensive line is better than everybody he's ever played, his wide receivers are better than any cornerback they've ever faced his coach and his coaching staff and his conditioning and everything is better than every team he's ever played played he only did it for a year I mean if if San Francisco wants to do that fine good on them but I I wouldn't touch it but maybe that's a smokescreen maybe San Francisco wants Justin Fields and so they put out there that you know they're going to take Mac Jones maybe or I don't know I, I mean that that's how this works there's always smoke screens and information that's that's accurate or inaccurate or up and down and all over the place and for some reason this guy created controversy by saying what he's hearing i mean that that's how reporting works that's how information works you may not like it but to call it reckless that's no because if somebody's telling dan orlovsky that and it's true the the teams evaluating fields already know like that is not going to affect his draft stock at all. It's not going to change anything at all. People make their own evaluations and their own decisions. I, I think the whole thing is just so overblown and, and kind of a microcosm of, of what we are today. I mean, nobody understands nuance. I mean, even when Dan has to clarify and say, guys, it's, I didn't, say that that's what people behind the scenes are talking about and i was just relaying information that's literally my job is to relay information oh it doesn't matter it's reckless it could be truthful it could not be it could be a team putting something out there to try to get him to fall that's possible i would pick justin fields over mac jones (laughs) that's just me Uh, i mean I, i think that he has more experience and anyway, I mean, it doesn't really matter. I think the concept of taking Trey Lance over Justin Fields is also insanity. Um, Fields might fall all the way down to New England, which, whew. Um, it is kind of crazy that a game has not been played. So when the season ended, it was Lawrence and Fields, Lawrence and Fields, Lawrence and Fields. Lawrence is going to go number one to Jacksonville, and Fields is going to go number two to New York. And nothing has happened since then. Nothing. And Fields is falling. Trey Lance played one game this season. His stock is rising. Mac, Mac Jones did win a national championship. I, I get it. But, I mean, his stock is apparently just shooting through the roof after, I mean, months after they've played a game. And I even saw one NFL person say that, oh, well, Fields hasn't thrown yet. I, I mean, are, are these NFL teams really making their decisions based on how a guy looks throwing the football on air. The whole concept of quarterback pro days making players change their position, I think, is crazy. Uh, unless they absolute, unless they stink. But I don't understand it. I don't understand why everybody's mad at Orlovsky for sharing that field that there's talk that fields may not be the hardest worker. Um. I don't understand why Fields is falling like he is. I don't understand the allure of 
trading multiple future first-round picks to get Mac Jones. I don't understand that at all. It doesn't make any sense to me at all. Um, None of this does. We are headed towards one of the more interesting drafts after the first two picks because it's going to be Trevor Lawrence and apparently Zach Wilson. Uh, but after that, I, I just I don't understand uh, what's going on. So I think because of that, we're going to see some fireworks and uh, some surprises. But everybody's just mad at Dan for just sharing what he heard. I mean, that's what you're supposed to do in this business. I mean, that's what you're supposed to do. You get information, you share it. But what do I know? Fields over Lance is crazy. Fields over Jones to me is also crazy. But uh, we'll see. We'll see how wrong I end up being. That's it for me. Thank you guys uh, so much for tuning in, as you always do. Uh, Check out the radio show this afternoon, of course. And uh, I'll talk to you again tomorrow at 8 a.m. Y'all have a good day. Mississippi Media Production.